Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Iron Maiden frontman Bruce Dickinson plays Warner Theater tonight in Washington, D.C. I spoke with Iron Maiden drummer Nico McBrain in 2019 when the band brought its Legacy of the Beast tour to Jiffy Lube Live in Virginia. Thanks so much for joining us, Matt. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you may be listening to this and whatever time. How the devil are you? <laughs> if our listeners have come out to, you know, have seen other Iron Maiden shows, how's this one going to be different to get them out there to a different one? Or what are some of the tried and true, you know, nostalgic staples, their, their comfort food that they're going to get? You know, what, what do we got in the set list here? Oh, well, I'm not going to tell you. You're going <laughs> to come find out. No, no, I, I, that's what they call that. Spoiler alert. You know, no, I mean, it's we, we've already been uh, over in Europe with this tour last year. And, um, it was so. It was wild. It was. It the stage set is the biggest production we've ever done. Uh, it's based uh, loosely based. At, well, I'm not really loosely. It's actually quite. Fa- the foundations are on the Legacy of the Beast mobile app game, and uh, what what we've got in, in in relation to the music is the visuals, and we've taken three different realms from the game, uh, and it, for for people that aren't familiar with it, um, it's it's basically Eddie goes through this journey through all these different realms, you know, picking up shards and lives and stuff and fighting meanies and whatnot. But we've got the stage set starts off in, uh, with a war theme. So we're in a cathedral that's in ruins. And then we go into the actual second realm, which is the cathedral in it's all of its glory. And then the third realm is hell within the cathedral. So, that gives you a basic idea of, of where the visuals are going. We are actually, I've got to be honest, this is the math, a massive stage production. And um, there's a lot of songs that you've heard before that you get the stable diet, Hello Be Thy Name's back in the set, Iron Maiden obviously closes, Number of the Beast, Trooper. They, they, those are the main stables that you're talking about on the diet. And then we've got a couple of nice chestnuts thrown in. Uh, we've got... For instance, Flight of Icarus, um, we have not played that song in 30 years. <laughs> well, I'd tell a lie, 29, because we played it last year <laughs> on the tour. <laughs> anyway, so because it's so, it was, listen, it was such an amazing tour last year with the, the, the visuals. We've got lots of, we, we're old school, right? You know that. Um, we, we don't use... Uh, uh, what do they call it? Electrons or Tron television screens at the back of us. We got a couple of video screens on either side of the stage, but we're old school with the drapes. We love artwork. We like the artwork to sort of breathe and be real in your face, you know? And so we've got lots of lovely drapes. Um, 
fantastic fireworks. Only problem is, Bruce is, we let Bruce loose with a couple of flamethrowers. Oh, God. And, uh, <laughs> that sounds dangerous. Play, if I play a song, absolutely. If I play a song a little bit too quick for him, guess what I get? <laughs> it's like toasting a marshmallow, mate, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, you're, you're the, uh, you're the Icarus flying too close to the flames. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So, yeah, we, you know, we're really excited uh, about the set list because, as I said, we we haven't played Icarus in, in, in well, 88, I think, was the last time we played it. It had an airing. Um, we've got um, Sign of the Crosses out there, The Greater Good of God. Um, let's see, we've got, uh, what's that? Well, that's, that's, that's good to be getting on with, ain't it? Yeah, that's um, good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'm not going to re- read down the whole set list because... You know, some people might not want to get, might not have been online to have a look at the, the show, and you know, from last year, and, and uh, you know, on social media and whatnot, and they might just be like, oh, I want to be surprised. You certainly will be surprised, even if you do know the set list. It's it's a fantastic tour. Uh, we're in rehearsals at the moment, um, because the last time we played together was almost well, it was a year ago, August last year, not quite a year, but you know, close enough. And uh, so we, uh, we've been knocking the cobwebs off of some of those songs uh, that we ain't played for a year. <laughs> Can you imagine what it was like when we got a song we ain't played in 30 years? It's like, what the heck? How's this bit go? You know? <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, everybody's going to have a lovely time. That's awesome. Um, now I know the band they formed. I think I believe it's Chris, as legend has it, Christmas Day, nineteen seventy-five. Steve Harris at the time. Um, that was before you joined. You, I think you joined like in eighty-two. Um, do you do you, can yeah. you can you recall for us uh, just just from hearsay? I know you weren't there for it, but how that? Do you remember? Can you tell our listeners how they ended up getting together? Do you, I'm sure you've heard that story a million times. Steve, yes, yeah, Steve had the idea in seventy-five formed a form of Iron Maiden. Uh, they 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 worked for a few years with various different players. Dave was always pretty much one of the, re- the stable players. So it was Steve and Dave. Um, then around 1979, they got a record deal, and the lineup was uh, Dennis Stratton, Dave Murray, uh, Paul Diano, uh, and Clive Burr. Clive came in. He did the first three records, as, as you as you know. Um, so my actual association goes back prior to my joining the band, um, let me see, uh, 1979, they did their very first European date in uh, Belgium. And uh, <clears throat> I was uh, playing in a band called McKitty, and we were on the same same bill with them. So I got to see Iron Maiden's very first European show out of England. And uh, that was the night when I really, really got to know the band. And uh, that was the beginning. That day that I, we played the show in Belgium with Iron Maiden and Nazareth with the Hideline Band. Um, uh, Steve saw I did an impromptu drum solo and a bass solo because the guitar player's rig went down. And uh, Steve remembered my solo and said it was one of the best solos he'd ever seen. Uh, and he's not a solo guy, as you know. I mean, you'd very rarely ever hear Steve do a solo, and you don't get a drum solo anymore. But that set me up um, to be the drummer when Clive started, you know, not to play. He wasn't playing too well. His heart wasn't in it anymore. 
So the first honour that came to mind was myself. So in you know, so boys and girls out there, you know, it's, it, you know that saying, it's who you know and where you are at the <laughs> right time. Uh, maybe that's not exactly the way, the, the, you know, the saying goes, you know. Um, but I was in the right place at the right time. And uh, it's who I knew. And I, I met, I'd met the band in 79. So, yeah, the history, they really had their first professional deal in 79. And... Um, <clears throat> They went on to they went on to bigger and better things. Obviously, as you know, they they did the Maiden and uh, Killers album, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, Number of the Beast was their breakthrough record. And I joined uh, just after that. And um, the wonderful Clive, late Clive Burr, was a stunning friend. He was a great mate and a fantastic drummer. And uh, you know, he 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 just he just lost the heart for it. And uh, then I took his took his drum stool. And the funny thing is, I was playing in a band in 1980 for a couple of years, uh, a band called Trust. And I actually, when I left Trust, I went left Trust to join Maiden, and Clive actually went and did an album with Trust uh, that next year. So we kind of swapped drum stools. It's, it's quite quite a weird story. Um, not a lot of people know that, but now they do. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I went off and, I, you know, I've had the drums. I'm the second longest surviving member of Iron Maiden, would you believe? So it's Steve, Dave, and then me. Well, thanks not for... Bruce. No, not Adrian. No, because <laughs> both of them had a hiatus from the band, if you remember right in your, your history. Right. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Um, and it's been an, absolute, an absolutely incredible, insane, wonderful, glorious, uh, biting fingernails uh, journey, you know. It's, it, it, there's never really been bad times with the guys, um, except for when we lost a couple of engines on a, a very expensive aeroplane a few years ago. <laughs> wait, you got to tell us that story. What, wait, what is that? <laughs> oh, okay. So we we were doing the Book of Souls tour, right? And, and Mr. Dickinson went off, and he learned how to fly a seven four seven a seven four seven jumbo jet. <laughs> God, what is he like? Uh, anyway, so th- this was a few years prior. So say probably around 2013, 14, we knew we were going to do another record and we wanted to do another world tour with an aeroplane. And Bruce and I were sitting in a bar in Paris one night uh, and um, in Bercy, up the road from the gig. And we were talking about it, and I said to him, well, why don't you get a 747 license? And he went, hmm, okay, you know, sowed the seed. He went off, learned how to fly a 747. We rented a 747 with a book of Souls World Tour. We were down in Chile, or Chile, uh, Santiago, and um, the guys were, apparently, this is how the story unfolds. The guys were actually towing the aeroplane to... um, to park it up because we were there for a few days and uh, we had a couple of days off. Then we were doing the show. Then we were going to Curitiba. And um, I think it was Curitiba, the next gig. Anyway, apparently when they were towing the aeroplane, when, when you tow a, a large, uh, you know, a heavy aeroplane, you, you put a key in to disable the hydraulics on the front nose wheel so you can actually maneuver the aeroplane without having the power on the engines and, you know, steering it, so to speak. So this is the tug pulls it, the little pin goes in, and uh, and and the aeroplane goes where you want it to, uh, not where it wants to. If you don't have the pin in for the hydraulic disconnect. So what happened was the fellas that were towing it, <laughs> I don't know whether they were stoned or not. Maybe they were, <laughs> but 
put the wrong key in the in the nose gear, right? It's a, it's like a, a universal key. It's a seven six seven, seven five seven, and a seven four seven key, and they put it in the wrong way. Well, about fifty meters before they wanted to turn left to go and park this plane up, the key fell out. Therefore, enabling the hydraulics on the nose. So the tugs turned this this 400-ton piece of aeroplane that's now got its no its hydraulics are back online, uh, and it, there, there was no input from the steel the guy upstairs. They were turning it, thinking that they were free and easy, free and clear to turn a plane. Well, the, the plane went. I'm not going left, and it it split. It's it, the nose wheel went straight. It broke the tow bar. Uh, there, it, uh, the, the tug uh, fell over on, uh, like on the side. The, now the plane has gone straight. Now what happened was, it it hit the top of the tug, right, <laughs> and the, it pushed the tug in from the the, the outboard uh, left engine into the inboard left engine. Therefore, kind of, uh, you know, the nacelle was both, you know, bent up and the, the fan blade or whatever completely fucked the engine. Excuse my French. <laughs> so we, we're in the hotel and we get this message that, oh my lord, your aeroplane's got two engines busted on it. So uh, we, we, we were only like three or four weeks, if that, into the tour, into a world tour, six months with the aeroplane, right? Well, four months with the aeroplane, I think we did. So they had to send a whole bunch of guys over from Saudi Arabia. Two Boeing guys came down. Uh, they had to check the wing spar. They had, they, they had to get two new engines from Germany that were like five million apiece. God knows who had to pay with them. I certainly didn't. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we were, we, the plane was grounded for like 12 days. They turned it around uh, in 12 days, which was quite a, a feat, an incredible feat especially being down in Santiago and, um, you know, South America and, uh, you know, we're so far away from, you know, Northern Europe and the, the, the plane was rented from Iceland there. And, you know, so there was a lot of uh, people who had to come in from all, all points north, south of the compass, you know. So, yeah, um, that was quite, that was, that was one of those fingernail moments, you know. But everything else in my life with Maiden has honestly been incredible. Uh, the journey is still, it's still not done. So for those boys and girls out there listening to this who ain't got a ticket, why not go and get one <laughs> and come and see us? <laughs> that is a that airplane. That, I mean, air, that airplane story is freaking amazing. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I, you know, this, I mean, it, yeah, no, my pleasure. I mean, it, it's 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 one of those moments that when it happened, you know, we had like a, an army of of our you know our our stage production guy Patrick and our tour director and the tour manager and the tour they all got in rooms and. And our production last Zeb and everyone that's involved in the kind of running of the band behind the scenes, if you like, you know, at the shows and whatnot, they all got man in the phones. It was like a it was like a military operation for two days while we tried, we had to find another aeroplane for the band to travel from gig to gig. We had to get all the trucks ready to, you know, because we were carrying all of all of our own equipment under the aeroplane. So all of a sudden we ain't got we ain't got the bus anymore. <laughs> we had to find new transport. So it was a it was a hell of a heck of a uh, 
an operation. Well, we got through it. You know. That's so crazy. And the plane actually joined us. I think, yeah, I think the plane joined us again in uh, in Sao Paulo in Brazil. Um, you know, as I said, twelve days later. So, and then we were off and running again. But yeah, it's been brilliant, mate. That's great. Before we run, could you? Uh, I know your first album was Peace of Mind. They had just done Number the Beast before, and that was yeah. huge. And so the, you were jumping on a moving train. They were already, you know, they were rocking and rolling. Um, but Peace of Mind was, I mean, arguably one of the better ones. I mean, they had the Trooper, Flight of Icarus. I mean, you jumped on at a great time. Um, yeah. Can you take us, just give us an insight, and we're radio, so you have to paint a visual picture a little bit, but um, just re- when, you, <laughs> when you guys were recording The Trooper the very first time, you're just oh you're God. just joining the band, and this is the one you're playing. Yeah. Like, that's, just take us, what, what was that recording studio like when you're, when you're doing that? No, it, well, it, first of all, these were, the, you got to bear in mind, we were a lot younger, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a lot of partying going on, believe me. Celebrations. Okay, so we get in the studio. The first, I think the first track we did, I don't, I'm not trying to remember the very first song we recorded. It, it may have even been Trooper, but I know, okay, Flight of Icarus, right? That was the first single that was released that I played on, right? Trooper came later. So, uh, okay, Icarus, first of all, what we would what we would do is, we would lay a track down, and it was like, right, that's the first track. Let's go and celebrate. Then we go down the local pub up the road, like twenty minute walk, if that, fifteen minute walk from the studio. Still there, place called Traveller's Rest in, in the Bahamas, and uh, <laughs> we go and get a bit sozzled. And then the next day, we'd all be over and go, well, let's 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 have a day off, go back and get drunk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go back in the studio. We do we do a couple more songs. We had four or five songs recorded. And we went, well, that's half a record. Let's go celebrate. We've done half the album, right? Anyway, I remember when we did Trooper, we'd, uh, we'd rehearsed that song, uh, and, and it was written prior to going over to, because uh, some of the songs weren't written, we had to kind of write them in the studio. And, <clears throat> and when we got Trooper going, I remember as soon as, as, soon as we, we, we recorded it, it was like there was an incredible vibe in the room about this is, this is, this is something special. This, and not that they aren't all special, because they are, but there was something extra special about that song. And we thought, this is going to be like an, anth- an anthem. It's going to be like another number of the beast. Uh, you know, it's going to be another prisoner. It's going to be a hallowed beat or an aim track, you know? Right, <laughs> um, right. And, and, and my goodness, what, what it, is, it, has been, it has become so synonymous with Iron Maiden. People, instead of like thinking of those prisoner and hallowed, which was like the, the, that main stable song through the early 80s, when that album came out, Trooper became like the the trademark track, even more so than Iron Maiden itself, the track Iron Maiden, which you're going to get that closes every show, every time you're going to see Maiden. Um, so, you know, we, we just, we has known, we, we, we knew we created the beast of the beast. And, um, you know, that, and that's been there ever since we've got beer named after it. We, we always play it. It's the visual artwork of Eddie on top of the horse with flag and, you know, um, the charge of the light brigade, you know, uh, it's, it's immense. And, and, you know, the, each song that we played from that record had a story behind it. And, uh, that one was, was just a, a, an amazing feeling once we finished the track and we sat back and listened to it. And, um, 
Martin Birch was the uh, was the engineer producer of that record, and uh, he was like, "Oh dear boys, this is just incredible," you know. <laughs> so we knew we had, we knew we had a had a uh, we'd uh, we'd open the lid of the of the the beast can, you know. Absolutely, and, uh, you'd we, unleash the you beast. Know, <laughs> Unleash the beast, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was great, and of course, my you know the opening track was "Where Eagles Dare," and uh, you know to do you know we actually Steve hadn't finished writing that one. We, he, he showed us we did half of the track in um, uh, Jersey and the Channel Islands. No, not New Jersey, you lot. The Channel Islands, Jersey. Anyway, um, we did. We he'd written about half of that song and then the rest of it was written in the studio and uh, of course the, the big drum motif at the beginning kind of set set me set me up as the new boy in the band and of course then when we went out and did the, the you know peace of mind tour uh what did we open with oh let's open with where we go there nick i said oh could you give me a few songs in so i could kind of warm up because it's, it's it's a pretty dramatic drum part you know <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so uh, good stories, Mike. Absolutely. Well, you've been generous with your time, yeah, so we appreciate it. Um, Again, my wife, Ashley's a huge fan of you guys, so she's going to dig this interview. So thanks, Nico. (laughs) Well, you are very well, Jason. Thanks so very much for for spending some time listening to this, me yapping on. Loads of love, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.